Welcome to our Bible teaching. Uh, tonight, I just want to share things in my heart that uh, are maybe for some people uh, foundational or more basic, uh, but there's some things I believe we, we need to be reminded of regularly uh, in our walk with God. Uh, there's certain truths. Uh, well, let me put it to you this way. I don't know about you, but uh, I find that God has to sometimes refocus me and remi remind me of things and uh, point me back to certain truths that maybe I've let slip or maybe I'm not doing quite as much as I should. Uh, and and, and I, I'm letting those truths slip. And it's, it's very often it's one of the reasons things are functioning and not working the way they should be working. And there's certain truths uh, that are so foundational and central in the Christian life that we have to be reminded of them regularly. And uh, part of why we need to be reminded of them is because they're not natural to how our mind functions uh, and how we're used to functioning in, in the natural world. But if we want, we want the power of God, if we want the God to manifest more in our lives, then there's certain things that, that we need functioning. Uh, and, and it's not kind of doing the word from a legalistic point of view, but it's understanding that there are certain principles that, that release or enable God to do more in our lives. And he teaches us these principles. He shows them in his word. What releases life? What releases death? What causes things to happen? So uh, I, wanna, I, I want us to just refocus and remind ourselves of these basic truths tonight. And uh, like I said, if you already know these things, just it's, it's not a matter of, oh, I know that tune out. It's a matter of listen and let it restir in you and just refocus you. Yes, I need to stir this area up more and, and, and get excited about this some more. So let's, let's start tonight in Revelation chapter 19. And uh, what I, I, I want to just show you something about how Jesus functions and, and, and what we're shown in a number of verses. And then we're going to apply this more into how God wants us to function in some areas. Revelation 19 verse 11 um, <coughs> says, Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. This is amazing. I mean, he's having this vision into an open heaven. And, and what he sees is the, a white horse and he describes the rider on the horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. You see, naturally minded people read certain phrases in the Bible and they interpret it the way we as humans think it should be interpreted. And it's it, that phrase, especially he makes war. And you're going to see other phrases about fighting as well. And, um, you know, you need to understand this when, when, when this is not just talking about natural war, natural things going on here. Remember, he's having a vision of, of the heavenlies. And, uh, and it says he's coming out, he makes war, and then it describes the rider. It says his eyes were like a flame of fire, and, 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 and on his head were many crowns. Uh, he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So we're, we're told who the fighter is right there. You know, if the Bible tells you, identifies something, you don't need to try to figure out beyond what the Bible identifies. We're told his name is the word of God. The rider of this horse is the word of God. Well, that immediately we know who that is because Jesus is the word of God. He's the word made flesh. 
And everything about this rider lines up with, with who we know Jesus. And, uh, and, it, and, and so this rider in the heavenlies, and, and verse 14 says, and, and the armies in heaven, armies, plural, they, they clothed in fire and white and clean, followed him on white horses. So this isn't just Jesus coming here. There's this massive army, the armies of heaven coming behind him, all on white horses as well. I mean, that, this is a beautiful sight, just amazing. And uh, it's, it's some incredible things just to think about, really. Uh, you know, the, the Revelation's not describing events to be afraid of. God has an amazing plan. There's some things that he's got that he's doing. But that's not what I want to focus on tonight. I just want to pull out one of the truths about this rider that we're told. In verse 15, it says, Now out of his mouth, his mouth, okay, goes a sharp sword. So it says, as he rides, there's a sharp sword coming out of where? Is it by his side? It's out of his mouth. Uh, and then it says that with it, or with the sword that's coming out of his mouth, he should strike the nations. So we're told that this is, again, this is, this is not natural situations. This is in the heavenlies coming out here. And, and the sword that's been described here is not a natural weapon. And uh, this is this is what I want to I want us to refocus on some things here and just remind ourselves and stir up about a few things tonight. Okay? The, out of his mouth, there's a sword. Let's let's read a little bit else. Uh, some of the other things that we told about uh, this this sword and and Jesus as well. Revelation chapter one, also describing Jesus. Revelation one verse sixteen says this: He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth, again, where's this, where's this coming from? Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Out of his mouth. Twice we've seen that now. Uh, you see the same thing in Revelation chapter 2, verse 16. It says this, Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So the, over and over again, we pointed out this sword coming out of his mouth. And, and it's connected here. In here, he's fights against them. The other one, it's war. See, we need to realize this. How does God fight? How does God engage in warfare? You know, there's a lot of Christians. You, 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 Christians are either talking about spiritual warfare going on all over the place. Or you might hear Christians talking about being in a battle. You know, I'm such in such a battle at the moment. There's a battle going on in my life. Well, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking against any of that. But we've got to realize that as Christians, we must fight the same way God fights. We are to engage in warfare how he does. And the way he, the way he engages in warfare, his weapon is, is in his mouth. In his mouth. Now, we know it applies to us as well because Ephesians 6, describing the armor of God, tells us we have a sword as well. And it's, uh, it tells us what that sword is. Ephesians 6, I'll just read verse 17, says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. It's not a natural sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, 
I want us, I want us to, to, to stir up us, ourselves in some areas concerning some things about the word of God tonight. And as I said, this is foundational. I just want to, to, to refocus. There's some things, some things as Christians we need to hear. We need to be reminded of. We need to refocus on. See, Christians get, get, get caught up in being in a fight and the enemy's attacking them and things going on. And they try to they try <clears throat> engage in battle in all kinds of ways. Except very often we leave aside the most important part of how the Bible tells us we're to engage in some things. We have a sword. It is the word. When Jesus used that sword, where was it? It was on his mouth. The sword came out of his mouth. See, God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. One of, one of, the, one of the things that uh, God seems to struggle with more than anything else with Christians is getting his word in their mouth. Very often we've got all other all kinds of other things going out of our mouths. And, but we need to understand how the kingdom of God functions, how God does things. The, God functions by his word. And I'm going to show you in a, a couple of different contexts tonight some things, like I said, to remind you, to restore you in some areas. If you are in situations and if you are engaged in situations where the enemy is attacking you or circumstances are coming your way, your primary weapon is the word of God in your mouth. This is how God functions. And the enemy will get you to put all kinds of other things in your mouth. Or maybe just get you to throw out, throw out one or two things of the word of God every three weeks. But you see, the more we put the word of God in our mouth, the more power we give it and the more power we release in our own lives of that word. See, uh, we're told in Colossians, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Yeah, I think some Christians read the word fight and they run out the door thinking, right, let's go fight. That ends here, the rest of it. He doesn't say fight a natural fight. Fight the good fight of faith. It is a faith fight. This is, this is not a natural situation. And, and yes, there is a fight. But knowing how to fight that fight is, what's, is what is vital. We've got to understand the equipment. And we are given a graphic illustration of Jesus himself in Revelation over and over again. It tells us that sword in his mouth. This is how God fights. <clears throat> the way God releases the power of his word is with his mouth, with his words. And I'm going to show you some things that we need to understand. If we want the word of God to function more in our lives, this is how we've got to get it functioning. God's power. In fact, we've been talking a lot about miracles in recent months. And I want you to understand that there is miraculous power in the word of God. In fact, it's one of the places God's trying to bring us to. Many Christians are used to miracles happening by the spirit. In other words, God just does it. But actually, God is wanting to bring his church to a place where we understand how to release his miraculous power in our lives by using the word the word of god the word of god is so central to how god functions even in you know you go all the way back to genesis and you'll find out right in genesis we are introduced 
to the, the how God's how powerful God's word is. Uh, many people think, well, you know, the power is the spirit. And I agree that spirit, Holy Spirit is powerful. But in Genesis chapter one, you see the spirit of God is hovering over the waters, but nothing's happening. There's no creation. There's nothing happening. It just says the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And then it goes on and begins to show God speaking. Genesis chapter one, verse three. And God, then God said, let there be light. And over and over again, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 16, sorry, verse 14, verse 20. It says, and God said, God's creative power was released through his word. And many of us know this, but remember this. This is so important in your day-to-day life. The enemy wants you to forget these truths. He doesn't want you to, to remember this, but, but God wants you to remember this. God wants you to see this, Okay. Uh, Psalm 148 verse 5 says this, let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. He commanded, that word commanded means to give an order. It means to to give a command and it's verbal again. He commanded, he spoke and creation took place. Every single thing in this natural world came came into this natural world by the word of God. This is where matter came from. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says to us, but by, through faith, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke. This is how God functions. This is how he works. This is the, this, yes, it's very important to remember. This is how he functions. And we are his children. We are in the kingdom of light. And if we want the kingdom of God to function more through our lives, we need to operate by kingdom principles. And throughout the Bible, we are shown the principle of the central value and importance of the word of God. God uses his word to do things in people's lives. And his word releases his power. Very often, the spirit of God just like in Genesis, is hovering over the water, but doesn't have anything to work with until the Word of God is present. The Spirit of God works with the Word of God. They work together. They are a combined force that release and manifest miraculous power on this earth. Let me just rem- let me just show you this, for example. You know, when you become a Christian, and I've said this before, when you become a Christian, you know, becoming a Christian is not just about, oh, I started going to church. Well, you know, I, I didn't used to go to church. Now I go to church, so now I'm a Christian. Being a Christian is not about which country you were raised in. Well, I was raised in a Christian country, so I'm Christian. It's got nothing, from a biblical point of view, none of that is what makes you a Christian. That's man's definition. Those are, those are our ideas of what make us Christian. The biblical perspective of what makes someone a Christian is somebody who has received Jesus as Lord of their life, spoken, confessed him as Lord of their mouth, and who believes that God raised Jesus from the dead. That believes that miraculous power was released at the resurrection of Jesus. And so receiving Jesus, or what we term becoming a Christian, is a conscious act. You're not just born a Christian. You You don't just stumble into it. It is a conscious act of receiving Jesus into your life and saying, God, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and I'm making Jesus Lord of my life right now. Now, what happens? What happens when, 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 when a person receives Jesus? 
there is a release of miraculous power into their lives. Some people say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I've never had a miracle. Oh, you have no idea. If you don't, if you are, if you are genuinely a Christian and you do not think you've ever had a miracle in your life, then you do not understand the new birth. The new birth is a powerful miracle. It is a release of resurrection power into somebody's life. The Bible says that we are transferred out of darkness into life. You, you change from one kingdom to another. Not only that, we, we are spiritually dead. We die. And the Bible says that God makes us alive with Christ. There is a resurrection, just like Jesus was raised from the dead. When you receive Jesus, you are resurrected. A resurrection takes place in your spirit. Ephesians says that we have been made alive in Christ. God has made us alive. Resurrection power is released into your spirit and a recreative miracle takes place in on the inside of you and, and you are transferred into the kingdom of God. Now, the reason we don't think of that as being a big miracle is we don't see it with our natural eyes. And, and we don't, to, to us, it's not a big thing because it all happened on the inside of us. But actually, it is a spectacularly powerful miraculous release of God's power in your life. And in fact, who does that miracle? The Bible says we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. There is a, the Spirit of God is the one who regenerates us. There is a release of Holy Spirit power into you that causes your dead spirit to be resurrected, resurrected life on the inside of you, made alive in Christ. So it is the Holy Spirit that does that work. But let me ask you this question. How, how, do, how does it actually happen? How do you get to the place where the Holy Spirit releases that power inside of you to be born again? Does it just happen one day because God says, well, I'm going to just let the Holy Spirit go and do a work in their life? No. The Bible shows us there is a process that has to take place. For a person to receive Jesus, according to Romans 10, they first have to hear. Have to hear what? hear the preaching of the gospel, which is the word of God. So that miracle, in order for God to bring a person to a place where the Holy Spirit can release miraculous power inside of them, regenerate their spirit, resurrection, life and power to become born again. In order for the Holy Spirit to do that miracle in someone's life, it has to start with the word. There is no other way it can happen. The Bible says, how can they believe? Unless they've heard. And it's talking about salvation, receiving Jesus. This is why Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So the word of God is the starting point of the most powerful miracle that has ever happened in your life, which is the new birth. That miracle cannot happen without the word. It has to start with someone bringing the word of God to you and you responding to that word. And that it is based upon how you respond to that word as to whether the, that resurrection power of the spirit is released into your life. Now, there's a lot of Christians that are wanting the power of the Holy Spirit released in a, into a situation. They need a miracle. They need a healing. They need whatever. And they're wanting the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And they don't realize that, that, that what causes the Spirit to activate is the Word. The Word of God. Just like in Genesis where the Spirit was hovering 
over the water until God spoke his word. Just like in your own life, where this, you're spiritually dead and what causes the Holy Spirit to come into you and regenerate you starts with the word. This is why, let me read this to you, it's further in my notes. This is why 1 Peter, 1 Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, having been born again, it's talking about the birth, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. He says, we are born again of, of incorruptible seed. And then he tells you what that seed is through the word of God, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. In other words, the new birth required a release of the word of God into your life. And then it had to be believed and it had to be put into your mouth. And it, as it was released out of your mouth, as you became made Jesus Lord and confessed him as Lord, the Holy Spirit activated that miracle of new birth into you. Now, many times Christians don't realize this. They, they, they think that, that God just does things randomly in our lives. You see, the random things God does in our lives are very often designed to bring us along the growth process, to bring us to the place where he, we function the way he wants us to function. And the way God wants his church to function is by his word. The more, the more yielded we are to the word, the more walking in the word we are, the more yielded to the kingdom of God and the rule of God we are. See, God rules by his word. People say, Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm in the kingdom of God. Well, if you're in the kingdom of God, then you function by the rule of the king. It's a kingdom. It's got a king. And how does a king rule? A king rules through his words. And you see, many times Christians want to sideline the word. They don't want the word of God place, but they want to say that I'm living in the kingdom of God. You can't function under the rule of God if you won't yield to the word of the king. God's word is how he works in your life. And, in, and, and, and this isn't to be legalistic. The reason God wants us functioning by his word is because he knows his word is what releases his power into our lives. We've not seen this. Many Christians are seeking the power. We need the power. We need the power. How do I get the power of God in my body to heal me? How do I get the power of God into this situation? We do what Jesus did. This is where we started tonight. As he, as he came out on that white horse, the Bible says, out of his mouth came that sword. That word is that sword. The word of God is to be in the mouth of the people of God. This is how we function. This is how we release the rule of God onto this earth. This is how we bring the kingdom of God to bear on this planet, in our individual lives, in our nations, anywhere. Through the word of God. See, God, God is not just wanting to move independently of his word. God, God is not wanting to sideline his word and just move by his spirit. Many Christians want God to just move by the spirit, but they want to sideline the word. God did not spend thousands of years getting his word into the hands of humanity, sending Jesus, who is the word made flesh, and spend all this time teaching us and training us in the word of God just so that he could sideline it at the end and say, well, it's not that important. No, the word of God is central. The word of God. It is only as a church becomes a word-based church 
that we will walk in the fullest manifestation of the glory of God and the spirit of God and the power of God. See, we've been functioning in a lower level of things because we've not been walking fully in the word. But what God, these days, in our day right now, God is calling a word-based church. God is calling a word-based Christian, every Christian, to function in his word. Because this is the word of the kingdom. We are members of his kingdom, citizens of heaven. Heaven is ruled by the word of God. God's, God's word is how he functions. And if we want more of God in our lives, we've got to have more of the word of God. Because this is how he moves in our lives. Let me show you some things here with, uh, with Abraham. <coughs> like I said, I, I'm not trying to do bring some great new revelation today or some new teaching i'm just trying to restir us in some things we should know already and maybe some of this is new to some of you but you see as christians we have a tendency to let the word slip to to not give the word central place we get into battles we get into situations where the enemy is attacking the situations are attacking and in those situations when we should be holding to the word of god the most it tends to be when we let it slip the most. And the enemy will get you distracted and sidelined onto 101 different things as long as he can get your attention off the word. Mark chapter 4, Jesus told the parable of the sower. And in fact, the seed sown is the word. The sower sows the word. And he talks about how Satan comes immediately to steal. What is he trying to steal? The word. The enemy wants Christians he doesn't, he doesn't mind if you go to church and float along and you go, you know, you, you go and do all the different Christian activities as long as there's no word going on in your church. He doesn't mind if you go through the external motions of Christianity as long as there's no word functioning in your life. He doesn't mind if you pray as long as they're not word-based prayers, as long, as long as they're just begging religious prayers. The enemy's not that fussed about it. Other people in other religions pray those kind of prayers. What he does not want is Christians functioning by the word of God. Because the enemy knows that is where the power of God is released. The enemy knows the power of the word of God. He's, he saw creation. He saw creation happen and how the power of God was released onto, into the natural world. The enemy's not stupid of these things. He, he's, he's a spirit being too. He understands that everything functions by the word of God. And throughout history, he has done everything he can to keep the church and Christians out of the word. You'll even get Christians say, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I pray and I like the move of the Holy Spirit, but I find teaching boring. You know, I don't really get into the word. You wonder why their lives are so defeated. Okay, it's not a criticism. I'm trying to teach you some things. God wants people functioning with the word of God in central place. Like I showed you, the first miracle that happens in your life as a Christian, the new birth, starts with bringing the word, the gospel into your life. It has to start there. There is no other way for that miracle to happen. Because Romans 10, you cannot believe if you've not heard, if you've not heard the gospel. And therefore, the rest of the, 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 the new birth miracle cannot happen. There is no alternative route for the new birth to happen in someone's life, apart from them hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, and beginning to act on the gospel. There's no alternative route. Okay? We need to learn from that. This is the primary way God operates. Let me show you some things from Romans chapter 4 with Abraham. Romans chapter four with Abraham. I'm not, I'm not going to preach too long tonight. I just want to, I, I felt I need to just stir some truths, give you a bit of a good faith building message to draw you back, 
draw your attention back. We very often as Christians, we've got to just regularly be refocused back onto the word. Romans chapter four. Now, Romans chapter four is giving us some insight into Abraham and Sarah. Over and over again in the New Testament, we are pointed to Abraham because there's some things God wants us to learn about Abraham. There's some things God wants us to see. Now, God did an amazing miracle in Abraham and Sarah's life. And you might not realize it. It was a pretty spectacular miracle. Giving them a child. It's pointed over and over in the New Testament. We're pointed to this amazing thing that happened in their lives. And we're told it's an object lesson that we are to learn from. If God keeps saying, learn from this, then we need to learn what he wants us to learn out of it. So Abraham and Sarah have a child. They, 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 I believe in, says basically that because they were older, their bodies were dead. It's like their, their reproductive systems were dead. There was no life. There was no function, no ability of anything to happen. No release of power to be able to happen in their lives. But God did a miracle. And the New Testament shows that it is a miracle of a release of resurrection power. Resurrection life is was brought into both of their bodies and, and enabled them to have a child. And Romans 4 shows us how that happened. Romans chapter 4, I'm just going to start in verse 17. And it says this, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, he's quoting something that God said. This is a quote. As it is written now, it's written, but before it was ever written, God spoke it. God spoke it to Abraham before it was ever written in, in Genesis. Okay? Because Genesis was only written after Abraham. So this initially is something that God spoke to Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations. Now, when God spoke this to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a child. Now, the miracle came later, but I want you to see this. How did that miracle start in their lives? Where did that amazing manifestation of miraculous resurrection power in their bodies, where did it start? It started with God speaking. That's where this whole miracle began. That's where God began to work in Abraham and Sarah's life. It says, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, when God said that, they were not, a, they, Abraham was not a father. Sarah was not a mother. Okay. They, they were not parents at that time, but God spoke it out. He, he spoke his word out long before it was so. This is what a lot of times Christians do not understand. God speaks it the way he wants it to be. He doesn't speak it the way it is. He didn't say that. You see, in Genesis, God did not say, whoa, it's dark out there. God said, let there be light. In the darkness, he spoke. And here with Abraham and Sarah, they did not have a child. But how did God speak? God released his word and said, I have made you a father of many nations. His word, when God spoke that, his word contained the power to cause it to happen. His power is released in his word. And the Holy Spirit was going to work with that word. Releasing power into Abraham and Sarah's body. Resurrecting their physical body and enabling them to have a child. But it started with the word of God. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. 
And then it goes on, in the presence of him whom he believed, God gives us some information about God. God, two things. He gives life to the dead. He's a God who's able to resurrect. And more information about God. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And what we've just said, he speaks it out. He declares it with his word. God releases his word. This is how he functions. This is how the kingdom of God functions. This is how God operates. And he wants us to understand this. The reason this is in Romans is to show us how this works. This miracle God did in Abraham and Sarah's life starts with what God said, his word. But how did it come into Abraham and Sarah's life? The next verse tells us. See, it wasn't just enough for God to speak it. There had to be a response from Abraham and Sarah. Okay, There had to be a response from them to what God had said. This is the same as what I described a few moments ago when I talked about the new birth. God speaks, he brings the gospel to you, but it requires a response. In order for the power of the word of God to be released in your life, it takes a response from you. And it's dependent upon how you respond and how you deal with the word of God as to whether that power is released or not. Okay. So verse 18 shows us how Abraham responded. It says this. There are now, you see, verse 17 was talking about God. Verse 18 is talking about Abraham. Who? Contrary to hope. Now, contrary to hope just simply means they're Contrary to everything in the natural, contrary to what everything in the natural said, everything in the natural said he can't have a child. But contrary to that, he chose to, to go a different direction. Contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Now, this is the key word here. This is the word gets gets repeated over and over in the New Testament. We're shown Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. What we're told over and over again, Abraham believed. Believe what? The word. Or in other words, what God said. In order to believe something, you've got to have something said first. Okay? If you came to me and said, well, you know, do you believe that? I'd say, believe what? You haven't told me anything yet. <laughs> okay? You've got to say something first in order for someone to believe it first. So when it talks about Abraham believed, it means he believed what God said. Why? God had spoken his word. The response from Abraham was the belief in what God said. And it says this, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. And then it says, so that he became. He became. Became what? The father of many nations. Or became what God had spoken. In other words, Abraham was not the father of many nations. And he became the father of many nations. Something changed. He was not the father of many nations. He became the father of many nations. How did he become the father of many nations? Started with God speaking it, and then Abraham's response to what God said. And the way Abraham responded enabled miracles to take place in his life. See, we, it, 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 people say, well, it's, it, it's not that simple. It doesn't, you know, you can't tell me it's that easy. According to the word of God, it is. Now, if you don't believe it's this easy, then you not believing it is why it's not working. <laughs> okay? Because it requires believing. You've got to believe. You've got to begin to see this is how it works. This is how the release of God's power takes place in our lives. 
starts with his word. You see the same thing in the Great Commission, which we mentioned just now. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. In other words, the word. The gospel is the word of God. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be damned. In other words, the response to the gospel determines what happens. He who believes, this is what happens. He who does not believe, this is what happens. See, our response to the word of God. God functions in our lives by his word. But he's looking for a response. In order for the word, the power of the word, to be released into situations in our life. It starts with us believing it. Starts with us taking it and beginning to believe that word and say, Father, I believe your word. Now put this together with we we started tonight. See, I started talking about the sword in your mouth. And this is where you've got to begin to understand. This is why Romans 10 tells us that the word is near you. The word there is the word of God. The word is near you and it tells you two places. It's in your heart and in your mouth. Your belief is your heart. But the word of God's got to come out of the mouth. This is why I started on this. How does Jesus, how does Jesus function? The word of God is coming out of his mouth. This is how he fights his battles. The word, the word, the word. And this is why he wins his battles. How does God create? He creates with his word. How does God release his miraculous power into an unsaved person to begin to, to bring them to salvation? He starts with his word, the gospel, and they believe it and they speak it, put it on their mouth. And a miracle takes place in their life. How was the power, resurrection power, released into Abraham? God spoke it. God said it first. And then it looked at Abraham's response. He believed it. And then that caused the release came of him becoming. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Get the word of God in your mouth. Get the word, give the word of God. The kingdom of God functions, the rule of God functions by his word. In order for God's power to function in your life the way he wants it to, his word has to take his place, has to take its place in your life the way he wants it to. As long as the church, as long as Christians, as long as individual believers keep pulling off the word, very often God is not able to do in their lives and in their churches what he wants to one of the reasons we don't see a lot of what what could be happening in the body of christ one of the reasons it's not happening and, and very often in churches is because we sideline the word but the word is god's primary way of functioning his spirit works with his word so if you're neglecting if you're sidelining the word very often the spirit of god is not able to do as much he doesn't have as much to work with and it's limited what happens because God has ordained that his word and his spirit will work together. And this is why in our day, one of the greatest revivals, we're on the verge of one of the greatest revivals ever because it is going to be a revival of the word and the spirit. It's not just going to be a revival of the spirit of God. God is bringing his church back to a place where the word of God is central and where our belief systems are based upon the word. And when that happens, we're going to see one of the greatest pieces of the power of God in our individual lives and in the church. Because this is where it functions. This is where that release happens.
So I want to encourage you tonight. I'm going to just bring this to an end here in a minute. But I had this on my heart. Refocus. Refocus people. Get our attention back to the word. Get people just refocus them. This is stuff we know. Many of us, these are truths we know. But we just get so caught up in things. We just drift off these truths. And it's important sometimes to have messages that just refocus us on truths we already know. Get the word of God. Fill your, fill your life with it. Fill your heart with it. And then get it out of your mouth. Get the word of God speaking as much as possible. The word. Speak the word of God over situations in your life regularly. Like God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Like Jesus, that sword, that word was coming out of his mouth. The more we're speaking the word of God, the more we're releasing the power of God into our lives. Amen. So I just want to encourage you, like I said tonight, I just wanted to refocus people. And again, it's not a long message tonight, but that's what I had on my heart. Just refocus people back on these truths to get to get to, to, to remind us of some things. And this will enable and release the power of God into those situations. It sounds simple. It is simple if we do it. What makes it complicated is we keep backing off the truth. If we would press in and keep this truth functioning and keep reminding ourselves and bringing ourselves back onto this truth and get the word of God in our beliefs, believe it and put it in our mouth, we'd find that there's a lot more manifestation of God happening in situations. Amen. So God bless you. And um, let me just pray for you. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Father God, that your word is truth. Your word is alive. Your word is powerful. Thank you, Father God, that your word is that sword. As we put that sword in our mouths, as we speak the word of God, as we put out the word of God out in our hearts and in our mouths, I thank you, Father God, that that releases miraculous power. Miracles can take place. Healings can take place. Resurrection, release of miraculous power into situations can take place as we do this and put the word of God in our mouths. And I thank you, Father, for that. And I thank you that as we function this way, as we put these truths into practice, I thank you that your power is released into situations and healings take place and miracles take place. And I give you the glory, you the honor for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So God bless you and thank you for watching. We'll see you. Uh, uh, just a few dates for you. 11th of December, uh, we're going to be doing another monthly Zoom meeting. It's kind of a nationwide for the UK. Uh, I do these once a month uh, as, uh, and normally meetings in different places. At the moment, I'm doing kind of a nationwide approach. Uh, so 11th of December. Uh, also on uh, fromtheseshores.online. Normally the website from theseshores.com, but I have a second website from theseshores.online. There's some Bible courses available. If people want to study the Word of God more, you can go in there, you can register and get registered on the site and then subscribe to different Bible courses to get yourself more in the Word of God. That's all available through the ministry. Just letting people know about that. There's a number of people that are already on the on those courses, and I get I'm getting really good reports. People just saying how much they're getting out of these. So uh, otherwise, bless you. And we will see you again next week, uh, same time, next Tuesday, for some more teaching of the Word.